Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Edit Your Life podcast. I'm Christine Coe. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to declutter your home schedule and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. And we believe that baby steps are the key to getting there. Hello, Edit Your Life listeners. I am so delighted to be here with a wonderful guest host again, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hi, Robin. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for you to be here. And um, I feel like we've become like BFFs, just this uh, dirt, pandemic BFFs. It, it kind of just happened. Sometimes like the universe just pushes people together and says, yes, this yes. is how it's supposed to be. Yeah, and I, I felt the same way. Oh, I'm so glad. And I'm, I'm so into it because you have a wonderful podcast and obviously you do all manner of like fantastic things and, you know, wonderful content. So helpful to parents. So actually let's, let's just start there. And I would love, you know, for the listeners who don't know about you already, and we'll link all your things and all your places up in the show notes, but tell us a little bit about your background and your expertise, um, with kids and teens. Mm. So I'm a kid conversation expert and I am a child and teen development specialist I have a podcast called How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we go over all kinds of tough talks using scripts and tips and stories and steps to make those conversations as easy and as painless as possible. I'm also writing a book based on that podcast and quoting all kinds of wonderful people, including you. Oh, I had no and idea. <laughs> yes. Isn't that exciting? Thank you. <laughs> yes. I'm very excited about that. Uh, and I, I do speaking and writing. I do a lot of articles, New York Times, CNN. And uh, yeah, it's it's a, a very varied life in mm-hmm. in the fact that I don't get up and wind up doing the same thing each day. I have a a curriculum called Powerful Words where I write a powerful word of the month for after-school programs, and it's got scripts for teachers to talk to kids about how to be a a good person, whether it's focusing on uh, confidence or on discipline or on loyalty. It could be some, you know, all different kinds of things. So I might be working on that one day. And then on another day, I'm working on writing my book or I'm speaking on mm-hmm. a on a webinar. It can be all kinds of things. And that's the way I like it. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. And I think the I, I think one thing I appreciate so much about the structure of your work or that sort of main thread of scripts is that 
you know, I do a little bit of work in the sex ed space, actually. And <laughs> all the time, parents are saying, please just tell me exactly what to say. Exactly. Please give me a script. So I, I do think it's important. You know, we we're parenting at a time where we're just a lot more communicative with our kids than perhaps our, our generate our, you know, generation of our parents was. Okay. And um, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> There is. And in fact, people will say to me, could you just come over and do it for yeah, me? Please just do it. Could yeah. you just come over or like maybe, you know, maybe you can just have something at your house where you just invite my kid over and just happen to tell them about sex or death or porn or any of those other things that might be uncomfortable. And like, let me give you some tools instead, because it may be a little awkward since your child doesn't know me at all. And by yeah. the way, let's start talking about sex. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so wonderful. And I think we're going to learn so much from you today. And so let me just dive in and say, we are in the thick of back to school season. And wow, like who could have predicted the stressors a year ago? So stressful. So stressful. And I really feel like every conversation I have with parents could basically be described as uh, resigned, doom, gloom, and dread. Are you hearing the same thing on your side? Absolutely. I think, and, and just, just confusion, Mm -hmm. just, I don't know what to do. And I also don't know even when I do know what to do, how it's going to go and how we're going to get through it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, that's one reason I'm excited to talk to you today because as you know, I've said, I appreciate your perspective and the way you're, you're able to break down really tough things into sort of conversation, conversational bits. And also like, I love your energy. So I'm hoping this conversation will help parents feel a little bit less doom, gloom and dread, because I mean, the reality is we just have to, we have to do it. We we have to like live our lives and, and try to find some little threads of normalcy in this as we head back in the fall, this fall. So yeah, let's, let's just do it. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages 6 and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures— 
The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. So I actually kind of want to start higher level um, because I was, as I was prowling your website in advance of, of this conversation, I just, there was a mantra of yours that really jumped out at me and you write, young people are assets to be developed, not deficits to be managed. Can you talk more about that perspective and, and how you got there? So when it, it's very early on that that was my perspective. In fact, when I was looking for a doctoral program to enter, it was something that I would say when I was exploring and talking to professors at different universities, I would say, I'm really not looking to find out how to fix somebody. I really want to make sure that I am doing what I can to bring out people's strengths and they said, well, then you don't want a clinical program or, mm. you know, you're looking more developmental, which was really the first time that I was hearing this. I was in my, you know, young 20s and looking more at, at positive youth development and trying to understand how we can see the strengths in each child rather than look at them and say, what's wrong? How can we fix it? you know, what can we plug in to make this, you know, to make this better and start looking at what surrounds a child, whether it's the connections they have with other people in their lives or their own sense of self, um, whether it's what they're, they're contributing to society in a certain way, doing charity work or, you know, helping a little baby sister. It could be anything, but so many ways that they are able to feel good about who they are and see that even if they don't have the same strength as somebody else, that their asset, their strength, the thing that makes them amazing and special and interesting can be used in profound ways mm. and, and really help them to, to thrive in life. I, I think so often we spend our time looking at what it is about somebody that is wrong and how we can go about uh, fixing that thing so that they are going to thinking that that's going to be the thing that helps them to thrive. But it doesn't. It, it really accentuates how they feel, how they feel inadequate. Mm -hmm. And we don't want more of that. We help a child to feel more inadequate. They step out of themselves. They step back from life. That's that's not what we're looking for. Yeah, I just love that so much because even if you think about it as like the baseline at which you're starting to do one whatever work and figuring out how a kid can thrive or whatever, if you're already looking at something that you are perceiving in a negative way or as a deficit, like you're already at a lower baseline, then, you know, were you to focus on a strength and starting there. So, exactly. oh man, I love that so much. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so I would love your thoughts. I want to kind of talk about expectation setting. <laughs> For this fall, because I feel like part of how our kids' experience is going to play out is really on us. I know that's 
a lot of pressure and parents probably it's don't really the truth. So yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Parents probably don't need more pressure, but no, I, but. I would love if you have thoughts about how we can set our expectations. You know, I think it's, I will say it's difficult to set expectations when there's so much uncertainty, mm. but like, do you have any kind of truths or sort of thoughts about things we can repeat to ourselves to help us, help us navigate this difficult time? You know, it's going to be different for everybody, but I would say that when you are feeling so uncertain and unstable, you need to be able to say like, this is going to be wonky or whatever word mm-hmm. you're going to choose. I'm going to make mistakes. A child is going to make mistakes. And you know what? The whole year may be a wash, mm-hmm. but it's going to be okay. There have been many times in the past that I have picked myself up and that my child has fallen down and gotten back up and we're still here. So I think it's important to realize that you've never engaged in this before. So you shouldn't say to yourself, I already should know how to deal with this. We've got to take that pressure off of ourselves and also realizing that everybody's in the same boat, which is something that I've talked about with my own children and with my own husband say, nobody is knowing how to do this. Mm -hmm. Not the schools, not the other families. We're all in this together. We're all figuring it out together. And you know what? If at first it's a disaster, we can shift Mm -hmm. and try a different way. It's not like, oh, we started this way. Therefore, we need to just keep going and plowing through. You find your child is struggling because of Maybe they're working online, uh, as many people are going to be. And you say, you know what? Something's not working. I I can't do it this way. Well, then you may need to shift and get your child a a tutor of some sort, even if that is also online. You know, they they have to think a little bit more out of the box um, because there is no box. There's Mm -hmm. no box anymore. (laughs) There's not even a brick and mortar building for most people. Yeah. 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 You know, it occurs to me too, I, I will say I have not necessarily been a particularly silver lining type of person throughout mm-hmm. this. In fact, I've probably become a little more cynical, but um, sure. I, I will say that I've heard many people characterize the spring. I mean, myself included, that was not really exactly remote learning. That was like emergency. It was <laughs> like, emergency. Yeah, it, that was was a, a, it was kind of disastrous in many yeah, ways. Yeah. So, well, I just thought of this when you said, you know, this could be a disaster, which is that this fall, whatever it is, is going to be an improvement on the spring just by virtue of time and the fact that people have actually had a little time to think about it and make some plans. So I feel like that is like a good thing to keep in mind that, you know, because I think people, part of people's fear is probably coming from how crazy and bananas the spring was. And it's, it will be, it will be better than that because it's going to be better also, not just because of the time, but because of the practice, you've Mm -hmm. done some of it already. So Mm -hmm. the kids are used to it. When we first got engaged in the first three weeks and we were home, I mean, I felt like I was standing on my head to get Mm -hmm. so many things done. And then after a while, my children were able to get more into the flow, right? They were able to know what it was that, that they were going to do each morning. They had gotten to certain points of expectation. And while this is going to be new with new teachers and new systems and sometimes new schools for many people, mm-hmm. new structures, it's not the first time they've had to do it. It's yeah. not the first time they've sat down at a computer screen and had to learn. 
So that already puts them way ahead of the game. You're not in March anymore. This is August and September where people are really, they've really gotten some practice and they're ready for at least the first scrimmage. Yeah. I don't even ask my nine-year-old if she needs help getting on a Zoom anymore. She's, I'm like, she's got it. (laughs) No, it's like, can you help me do this? You know, they, they've gotten so well-versed. I agree. My 10-year-old and my 11-year-old got to a point where they're like, all right, I'm going in the office right now. Yeah. Uh, I'll see you in a couple of hours. And it was almost like the four of us were going to work for the day. It's insane. It's insane. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was a little comical. I'm like, yeah. do you want any coffee? Can yeah. I get you anything <laughs> before I go into my office and start Oh my working? gosh. Well, you mentioned that it feels like all of you are going to work. And this is actually, you know, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is you know, a huge issue with this continued remote working um, is that it is completely insane if you have mm-hmm. a job that you're trying to do. Oh, my gosh. Right. Um, Forget it. Yeah. And I feel like that even though I don't have, you know, no longer have an office that I need to go into. But what do you have you talked to your kids or I'd be curious if you have advice. I feel like a lot of parents are super stressed about this as yeah. they go back mm-hmm. to fall. Um, And if there are useful ways to communicate with kids about the reality that, you know, parents have to work. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'll say in our house, we talk all the time about how we're a family system and like how any, you know, one decision that one person makes impacts other people. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we've had a lot of conversations about that um, since my husband and I are basically both jamming full-time workloads into, Mm -hmm. you know, not full-time hours, but I'd be curious about your expertise here in effective ways, not to like guilt kids about the fact that parents have stuff to do, but just convey the realities of it. I think it's really important for parents to lay things on the table. I'm a, a huge proponent of, of being completely honest with children. And that doesn't mean being callous or rude. It just means that, if something is on my mind and I feel that the kids would benefit from hearing it, then I say it. And sometimes it's, it's really is reality. In order for us to have money for food, mm-hmm. we have to work. And in order for us to work, these are the conditions that we need to work in. Daddy needs quiet in order to be on the phone with his clients. Mommy needs to be recording certain podcasts or writing articles. So she also needs quiet. So here's, you know, here's the situation that, and I'm, I'm very interested in hearing your ideas about this, Mm -hmm. but I feel like if we get together and say between the hours of nine and one, even if you get done with your workload first, that we stay in a quiet zone, you can read, you can get onto, you know, this kind of computer app, you can, and you give the choices that they have. And you want to make sure you do give choices because mm-hmm. kids want to have some control. And that you're able to create that quiet zone. Don't leave it amorphous. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, we need quiet when we're doing this. So, you know, find something to do. Really get it out in the open. And that way you can invite questions and ideas. Sometimes my kids have great ideas. Like, mommy, when you're recording, maybe you should put a note on the door so we don't knock or you know, things that come out from them sometimes yeah. are are really helpful. And when it comes from them, of course, it becomes something that they can easily enforce. It was their idea. Yep. Instead of saying, you know, being very stern and be like, you're going to be quiet right now. It, get them on the same page as you give them the reason kids really respond when they get reasons 
for why they're behave, you know, need to behave in a certain way, um, and and knowing that by behaving in that particular way, they're helping the family system. I think that's fabulous. I love the idea of you know inviting in their ideas, and I will say I'll have to dig it up and send it to you. But um, my daughter, I think she was probably eight when she did this last year, but. Um, she made a, are you recording? Yes or no sign for my door. See, <laughs> And you awesome. can flip, you can flip the tag around or, and, and anytime I don't flip the tag around, I hear about it. Um, of course she's like, I made you the system. Use the system. Use the system. Use the system. Well, I also want to underscore something you just said about when you mentioned, um, like saying, okay, if you finish your work before 1 PM, then do, you know, here's some options. Mm-hmm. I think that specificity around time is such a crucial little tweak that can be so helpful because right now I feel like we all, because the lines of work and home are just completely, there is no line anymore. I think that can be very confusing and difficult. Like if you don't, I find like, even with my teenager, I need to be really specific about time. If we're talking about like, okay, I'm going to work during these hours and I need you to be on with the puppy and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But it needs to be very specific. Otherwise, it could just blur into, you know, hours later. And, and that's when things get sort of bitter and confusing. <laughs> I agree. And on top of that, I think you can also work out if you do have somebody that you're parenting with, obviously not everybody does, but if you do have a situation with you, that you have a spouse or even an older child who can be responsible for a puppy or they can be responsible for it, like in the... It, Right now, I'm recording, my husband took the kids to the dog park. They're running the dog. The (laughs) the children are out, right? So we try to do things like that, too, where, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to go exercise that, you know, I'm going to go run and walk at the park. So now I'm going to take the kids with me so that they can bike ride at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that way, my husband can then do certain things that he really needs to be alone for because so it's quiet and he can concentrate. So I try to make sure that those kinds of things happen, that like those pockets of time where you know that you can take the kids with you and give that other person some time and some relief can really be helpful. You got to lay that on the table too. Yeah, that is huge. All right. Well, we have, I have a bunch more questions for you and I'm excited to ask them and we will do that Robin after a quick break. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, 
is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Okay, friends, we are back with the wonderful Robin Silverman. Hi, Robin. Welcome back. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'm going to dive right in because I have a big question. (laughs) Oh, goodness. I'm ready. Well, you know, the thing I am actually hearing parents fret about the most beyond the academics is about the social emotional piece. So what are your thoughts on how we can best support our kids social emotional development when like everything they know is normal, like playdates, sports, after school activities, all that stuff is gone, you know, at the moment. It's really funny. I think sometimes, well, I had to kind of get used to the fact that this is going to look a little different. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's just a reality slap, right? I mean, people are getting onto Zoom, they're and they're conversing that way. But I will just say that. So my son is talking on a call with one of his friends. So it was at the, at the time nine year two nine year old boys talking, and they don't do the same things like developmentally. They're not going to just sit there and like have a conversation like to you know, two people who are forwarding. Well, he takes my, at the time, he took my phone outside and was on the swing and jumping over the phone, you know, like, (laughs) right. So he's like entertaining his friend with what he's doing. And he's like taking the phone and like showing the dog. And and I'm like, what is this kid doing? And it dawns on me that he's like morphing, like in front of my eyes, like he is flexing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in this very weird situation. I had told uh, Devorah Heitner about it, who's like a screen expert. She's yes. like, this is amazing. She's like, that is so awesome that he is doing that. Like, what What a great way to, you know, deal with the circumstance. So I think sometimes we just have to realize that it's going to be different. And what we think is weird or <laughs> strange, um, that you need to go, oh, okay, this is developmentally appropriate. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I think that there there can be some commonality. And while we don't want our kids to be on screens nonstop, that we understand that there are some ways that they're using screens to connect with others, whether it's like during a video game for a, a, a certain period of time or they're back on texting or you know, talking to somebody on, on a FaceTime or a Zoom call, but not to fool ourselves and then allow our children to be on all day long yeah. and call it social development, which I have also heard. And that is not exactly accurate either. You know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we want our kids to be with, ki- be with other kids, but we also don't want it to be detrimental to their health where they're only inside on a screen. 
if you want, oh, if you want to be with this person, then take my phone, go FaceTime and then go for a walk. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do sort of social things like go for bike rides with somebody else because it's already socially distant. And I had my son have a, had a play date, a socially distant play date where they did water guns. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Like it's already so far apart from each other. You're not doing water guns next to each other. You're doing water guns from 12 feet apart. Yeah, I think that sounds great. And, um, you know, with my nine-year-old, I think maybe a month or so ago, whenever it was that we had the first sort of socially distant play date in the back and we set up a big long table so they could sit, you know, sit that far Mm -hmm. apart and make friendship bracelets or something. Yes. She was just so happy. Like, even though, even though it was a little, you know, weird to not be able to see the person's whole face, like it just felt good to not, you know, see them just on a screen. So any of those touch points, they're better than nothing is I guess. Yeah. And I I feel like my kids have gotten a lot more active in doing these kinds of things because we are meeting other kids for a bike ride or, you know, I, I've been doing socially distant walks with Mm -hmm. other, uh, with other people and, these, you know, getting outside more. He had a, a play date. My son had a play date with a, an, another child yesterday in, in their yard. And, you know, they're, they're doing things in the yard and they know they have to be far apart from each other, but they still figure it out. They do. You know, they've got a couple swings in between them or they, you know, or one's playing with the dog and the other one's running around, whatever it might be. It makes it so at least feels somewhat normal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. Well, so another thing I've talked to parents about um, as we approach the school year is that in the spring, that while we're in sort of crazy crisis mode, reluctant, you know, kids who might have been reluctant otherwise to do remote learning, they kind of held on because of the love they had for their teachers, you know, Mm -hmm. that that was what kept them invested Um, and that people are really worried um, about this coming year because that connection won't be built in the same way um, yes. because we won't have the in-person. Do you have any creative thoughts about, you know, how families might be able to build those relationships and kind of get their kids invested in a new school year and with their teachers and their and new classmates, even though this is going to be probably largely or all remote? I do. I do. I feel like it is, if you want a teacher to know something about your child and, and, you know, there's something special about how to best connect, motivate, mm-hmm. um, interest your child, that this is a great letter to write to the teachers. Teachers, I mean, I have a lot of friends who are wonderful teachers, first grade teachers, second, third, and they want to know. They would love to know information about your child. They want to connect with your child. Mm-hmm. So if you can give them a head start, by writing down some key things about your child, then they will already know that, you know, your child loves fishing and is, you know, connects, connected last year with their teacher so well because she knew that he had a real strength in finding lost things. And in just being able to give those little bits of information a teacher then is is going to have an easier time connecting with your child. Also understanding that maybe your child works best with, you know, additional praise or uh, maybe some private time where they can get on one-on-one with the teacher where other, t- where other students might be more apt to uh, need 
somebody who's a little bit more hands off, not, you know, not so much focusing on them as much. So I think that kind of information is important. And then being able to ask a teacher, is there a time when my child can, you know, have a five minute meeting with you? Because you Mm -hmm. know that they're busy Mm -hmm. where they can just talk to you and and find out some of your favorite things and you know, what maybe ask, ask a couple of questions about class that they've been worried about. So I, I think some of those things are important about being proactive and asking the teacher four ways that she or he is a, has an ability to connect with the child, even though they have so much to do. I am so glad you brought this up because I will say I tend to be, and I suspect a lot of parents, you know, we know that teachers are so busy. And so my default is like, oh, I don't want to reach out. I don't want to like, you know, I I don't really have anything really important to say. So I don't want to like cause more Mm -hmm. in their inbox. But, you know, being proactive about that totally takes the guesswork. It actually will make less work overall because you will take out the guesswork and the research they need to do. Mm-hmm. by by just putting it out there first. So I'm I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes, my I was literally meeting with a friend yesterday who is a first grade teacher and she had said the same thing to me that she said I want to connect with these kids. So if I have information about them that I would typically be able to get for myself in the first couple of weeks, mm-hmm. that will really help me. So mm-hmm. don't be shy about writing that letter or you know, sending that, you know, sending an email or requesting a couple of minutes of time, just be respectful of the fact that they may have 20 other kids mm-hmm. and, and you, you can't take up an hour, but you can five minutes to you know, just say, here are some things about my child. And I know they're really excited about, and it would really help me to know what your favorite ice cream flavor is, is mm-hmm. all, all really good information. To yeah, get. that is so great. Well, I want to tackle, uh, what is, possibly one of the toughest things for everyone, adults and kids, um, but I think especially kids, is this whole uncertainty we are living with. Mm-hmm. We can't, I, I've never said, I have no idea, like so many times. At, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when will a vaccine be, avail- be available? I have no idea. Okay. I mean, just yeah. all of these things. So how do you recommend, um, you know, if you just even have a simple takeaway or two for how parents can talk to kids about the uncertainty of what we're living in without just completely freaking them out or depressing them? You know, I think it's important for parents to, again, be honest, but also understand that you have solutions and everybody's in the same boat. Mm. So being able to say uncertainty affects all of us. You know, when we don't know what this year is going to look like, how it's going to change and you know, who our teacher is this in the same way that we would in previous years, it, it makes everybody feel a little bit anxious. How are you feeling? Tell me what you're feeling. Where are you feeling it in your body when I when we're talking about this? Because, you know, that anx- anxiousness, anxiety or frustration with uncertainty can land in all kinds of physical spaces, whether it's mm. headaches or stomach aches. If you mm-hmm. hear your child say those kinds of things, um, it can look like sadness and then tantrums or, you know, avoidance. It can look a lot of different ways. So laying that on the table and saying, I've been feeling this way. And I also find that I've been getting some headaches lately and, and feeling a little, you know, queasy sometimes when I think about, it. I don't know what's going to happen. How are you feeling? 
And then talk about the ways that you're dealing with that anxiety or that uncertainty. So when I'm feeling this way, I remember to be grateful for my health. I remember that uh, we have everything that we need right here. I also know that when we make mistakes and we, we mess up, we can start again. There's, you know, mm. there's nothing here that, that can't be fixed. And, and have the conversations in advance. The key here is we don't want to be looking for whether our child needs an umbrella or a raincoat or an overhang when they're in the middle of a, a stormy stress stress situation. Mm-hmm. You wanted to find that in advance. So what is going to help you when you're feeling uncertain, you're feeling anxious, maybe you have a stomach ache, how can we help that situation? You can take deep breaths. Did you know that the science behind that means when we take a deep breath in, it actually tells our brain we're okay. But mm. when we take, take those short breaths, it says, I need to run from a bear. Mm-hmm. So giving the kids, again, that information so that they feel in control, asking them for solutions in advance so that they know what to do when they're feeling uncertain. You can reach out to your teacher. We can have a, you know, we can stop the day for, and have a hot chocolate. You know, we can, you know, we can have a, a, a time to read a book or go outside. These are things that you do in advance. And by saying, here are some of the things I do. Um, I write my gratitude journal. I exercise. They are then say, taking that clue that they're not the only ones. Mm-hmm. There's nothing weird about them. They have solutions. And my mom or dad gets it. Mm-hmm. That's already going to put them in a much better situation than than they were previously. And also take it, take that advice to yourself too, because when we're feeling uncertain, we also feel like we must be the only ones. But I'm telling you, you're not. We're all feeling it. Doesn't matter how much education we have. This is the first time we're all doing it. So we feel uncertain and strange. The more we talk about it, the more that we realize there are solutions that other people might have that can be helpful. And the more we realize we're not alone in this and we're all going to mess up and we're all going to try again. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And it's occurring to me that again, I have not been the silver lining person during this, but (laughs) one of the positives I'm really seeing in that thread is that you know, this is a really unique time where all of us are, you know, as adults, as kids can really tune into what our signals are mm-hmm. and then what our solutions are. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that is gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that is a really good thing. Absolutely. Wow. OK, well, so I have, I just have you on the hook for one more question, Robin. No, and good. yeah, this all day. Yeah. So <laughs> at the, I know I just love talking with you so much. I love talking with you. Oh, so at the end of every Edit Your Life episode, Asha and I, we do something that we call a Your Next Edit. We usually share them, but today I'm just going to ask you to share one. This is something that listeners can just consider doing right away. You know, it can be like a little one minute action or can take a little longer or whatever. So I would just love to hear what your recommendation is, your, you know, your next edit is, is for in the context of our conversation today. My next edit. So my next move to help us feel a little bit less anxious, you know, it's kind of a funny thing because I'm doing, I'm making an enormous move. We are actually moving to North Carolina. 
Whoa. Okay. So in, <laughs> yes, in the middle of all this. So I really just shook the whole snow globe and said, wherever it may land. So my next move and my next edit is right now, because it is such a wonky time, it's a, actually a great time to make a shift. You can do whatever you want because at this moment, because everything is not predictable, mm. you can also do something unpredictable. It seems odd to make such a big move. Like, you know, we're going to pick up and move to North Carolina. But actually, because everybody is in the same boat where they're doing all this remote learning, it makes no difference where we are. <laughs> so it true. actually, isn't that strange that making this enormous move is, is actually timed perfectly in the middle of this incredibly uncertain time mm-hmm. where we can, where my daughter can move into a middle school in October because it doesn't matter mm-hmm. where we are. So don't be afraid to shake the snow globe a little bit mm-hmm. and say, what is something that I've been wanting to do but haven't done because it hasn't fit into the time that I allotted between soccer and piano, because you don't have it. Mm-hmm. What, what is something that I've been wanting to do that I haven't done because I've had to go to work from eight to five because you're home and, and things have been, things are strange. So start the garden, you know, or, you know, join the pottery class online, whatever it is that you've been waiting to do for the time. This is that time. This uncertain time actually creates a pocket where you can do something that you've been wanting to do. That is a good rally cry to close this out. So um, that is wonderful. And I, I'm sort of still like reeling about the move. But yeah, shake that snow globe. That's great. It, it, what can you do? Like, it is the strangest thing, but it's going to work. That's fabulous. Robin, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time amidst the chaos of now knowing the chaos even involves a move um, for taking the time to chat with me today. This was just so delightful. Oh, thank you. I love being here too. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Okay, friends, you will find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources we've mentioned at edityourlifeshow.com. And this week, we'd like to know what's a back to school tradition that you are maintaining this fall? Hop over to facebook.com slash edityourlifeshow and look for the question of the week pinned to the top of the page, or you can chat with us on Instagram at edityourlifeshow. Thanks for listening. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.